Just an encouragement to the family for those who weren't here last week, we did a vision of the church, just explaining a little bit how the whole church works, where we all fit in, how we operate. Um, that will be put up on, a, we're putting a board as you come down the sort of walk of life uh, to get into the church. Um, we'll be putting a board up and that'll go on there, but um, you can listen to last week's, uh, of my sharing, hopefully, and grab most of that. Um, but just the excitement of what God's trying to do uh, in and through this local church, uh, what He's trying to establish here um, is all wonderful and exciting, um, but we can only do it together, amen? As a family, one or two people are never going to be able to do it. Um, what is happening is uh, in the past where a religion tried to creep into the life of the church and we had sort of the, the difference between clergy and non-clergy or, or, or um, just the, the sacred and the, and the um, uh, workplace, S secular, sacred and secular, that, that's just being removed because it was never really meant to be some kind of hierarchy or some kind of two, two different things that were happening. It meant to be one as a team together. And the reality is that they're just different functions, but we're all working together. Amen. So it's mobilizing the whole church to understand that we're doing this whole thing together, that business is just as important and as powerful as, as we're standing here this morning preaching the gospel, doing all that God's called us to do doesn't just happen in some little place or some little event. It happens in our lives. Amen. But as we are about that and all doing it together, we're all trying to find our place, how we fit, what God's saying, what He's doing, um, so that we can achieve this thing together. Amen. So that's kind of the heart of, of, of where we are launching from just as a church. So pray, ask the Lord, seek his face and say, Lord, where's my part? Because it's all about being planted of the Lord that we flourish, right? Um, not always sit in pot plants and just check out and, and uh, as long as we, the oaks are giving me a bit of compost and whatever and that, that's all great. But as soon as I'm not getting there, I'm just going to pick up my pot and go somewhere else, right? Um, because God calls his family. Is what family looks like. Can I encourage every single one of you, whatever I preach from the pulpit, whatever you hear, whatever you read, can you just surround it with family? Can you look through the lenses of family? Is that what family would do? Now, you might have come from a very broken family, so just think about what normal family would do. Um, just think about how that would look from a family point of view. If it sounds funny, in a family point of view, it's not God. Right? Amen. Fair enough? All good? Okay, what I want to uh, share on this morning is just in light of, of me saying all of that last week, is just remember these two things, that there are river banks in this church, one is grace and one is truth. As truth comes, truth always comes with grace, doesn't come to condemn, doesn't come to smack, it comes with grace to uplift, to strengthen, to encourage, and the river that's flowing is love. Everything else in the Bible, it must be faith working through love, Right? That's what the Bible says. So we have this incredible river of love. It has two banks. It has truth and grace. And we're following that river and we're honoring him and we're working with God and what he is trying to say and do in and through us as a local body. I say that because I also want to say this. The Bible tells me very clearly that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? So before I can even start thinking that I have any wisdom or any ability to be able to make decisions and understand and do whatever I'm called to do. The fear of the Lord is the very beginning of that. It starts first and foremost with the fear of the Lord, which is simply meaning we put him in his right place of reverence, of honor. We say, Lord, we're afraid to run away from you. Because if you, Lord, and you, King, I'm running towards you, the fear of the Lord is actually, I don't want you not to be in this. I want you to be in it, and I'm running towards you. Versus the fear that we live in this world today, which is run away from something. The fear of God is to run towards God. To put him in his rightful place, to make him Lord and King. I shared um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago now, but the week before, that I was going to do a, a series called um, Politics, Prosperity, and Purpose. I want to see if I can do the second one this morning. Um, but the reality of that is it starts first and foremost with the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Starts with putting him in his rightful place, putting him in his rightful honor, giving him his rightful say in our lives. I shared then that there were three foundations in this world that we can build upon in every one of our lives. There is a religious foundation which is based on performance and trying to earn and, and it's uh, all about self. 
And then there is the political system or humanism, which is where it's all about self. And then there's the kingdom of God, which is all about Jesus as Lord. And when you build on that kingdom, then everything that's established and built on there cannot fail. It, no moth or rust can corrupt it. Nothing can destroy it. And on that foundation, the blessing of the Lord is released and it adds no sorrow. On the other two foundations, whatever you're building, whatever blessing does come your way and blessing can come without the Lord being involved. Man can use his incredible intellect, knowledge, wisdom, and all of that to be blessed. Please understand that. This is not uh, complicated stuff. This is 101. You can be blessed, but it will come with sorrow. Friends, let me just explain this very quickly and say, in the beginning of time, there was a garden. There was a garden that God planted personally for uh, his children. He, he put the sweat and everything and the toil in it so they could reap the rewards that they had not sweated or toiled for. But the enemy comes along and wants to confuse them and to say, hold on a minute, there is something that you should do. There is something about you here. You, you should have a say in it. And, 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 and this tree here has got to do with, she's trying to stop you from having a say. It's trying to stop you from, from you being able to contribute, from, from self being involved. If you eat of this tree, you're really gonna get blessed. The minute man ate from, this, from that tree, friends, he was never equipped to know good and evil and to operate with the knowledge of good and evil. God was always the one who wanted to stand in authority and power, friends, and to release the goodness all the time we would just live in it. So what happens from that, from that time, friends, as man has began to fill himself with knowledge and wisdom, and I'm not against uh, universities and, and schools and all of that and getting edu educated. Just hear what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is man went after knowledge and wisdom and his own ability to make decisions and do things, friends. And as he's gone along, friends, we've got ourselves into a modern day society where number one, he doesn't even know who he is or what he is. That's how far he's gone away from the word of God. He doesn't even know what gender he is. He doesn't even understand what it means actually to be a man or a woman. That's not because God's confused, friends. It's because it's moved, he's moved away from this, which is very clear, friends. When God made man and woman, friends, he made them unique and individual, and they have a clear mandate, description, and understanding of who they are. And you do not get confused when you see them as to who they are. And they were made exactly equal. Male and female, made in his image. And they have the same value, authority, and power as each other, friends. But when you get confused, you start to compete with one another. Then we start to get confused about gender and we start to get all over the place. Suddenly marriage becomes a weird concept. We're trying to figure out what marriage is and who actually, and, and it gets a little bit blurred and it gets all messed up. Why does it get all blurred and messed up, friends? It's because we do not want to bow and make him Lord. We want to have our say and we want to, to decide how it works and how it operates and man, Ever since he did that, friends, has got completely confused and messed up. That's why the world's getting further and further messed up, and that's why the, the modern day thinking, friends, it's not something you and I want to entertain. We want to entertain the kingdom of God, right? I'm sharing all of this because it's very important that as we come to the word of God, as we come to things like finances, if I'm to talk on finances this morning and you're feeling a little, oh, you want to talk on that again, gee, you talked on that two weeks ago, friends, then you haven't settled it in your heart. Then you haven't realized that every single one of us face the dilemma and the reality of finances in our lives. I'm not convinced that money was actually a, a, the idea of God. But he sure knew from the beginning of time that it was going to become a very serious thing in the life of the world, in the life of the church, and that we needed to understand, and he put things in place that will protect our hearts and enable us to use it wisely. The Bible makes it very clear that there are two masters. It says, either you will love the one and hate the other. Friends, he's talking about God and money. He says, or you will hold to the one, he's talking about money, 
and you will despise the other. They are masters, friends, and you have to decide which master you're gonna bow to. If you don't bow to God and you don't make him Lord and Savior, then you will bow to money. Because it is not a slave, it is a, it is a master. And it will dictate to your life, you have a choice. And we cannot wanna talk about money and go la, 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 la. Friends, but the world is speaking about it all the time and you're picking up from this tree stuff that's being said all the time. And God's saying, don't eat from that tree, son. Eat from this, the tree of life. So as I'm sharing this morning, I'm not talking about that tree, friends. I don't even want to know what that tree is saying. I wanna know what he's saying. Amen. So we spoke uh, two weeks ago a little bit about the plan, the purposes of God, how it works uh, in terms of finances. And, uh, and, and why I said politics is because politics has got, so, has got so involved in finances. Politics is more about us than it is about God. So there's so many great ideas and stuff that's running around there about what we should do, how this is how it should work, and that's how it should work from a financial point of view. I wanna try and debunk all of that and just put it down into the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So two weeks ago, you need to go and listen to it. If you weren't here, I spoke first and foremost about um, Proverbs 10, 22, which says, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow. And I simply said in that understanding that if you build your foundation on the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ, everything that's built on top of that is, adds blessing with no sorrow. Anything that's built on the other foundations can be blessing, but it comes with sorrow. The reality is what's been built today on the foundation of a political system pleasing man and on a religious system, what has happened, friends, is that family, Father, has gone completely left. How many know that we are so intelligent and clever that we've brought up our kids eating from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of eating from this book and look where kids and family are today. What a great result of eating from the wrong tree. Whereas we brought up our kids in, in the way the Bible says we would have a far greater disciplined generation that will honor God, honor their parents, and will be committed to the things of God. There's a few amens, I'll, 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 I'll grow it. Well, don't grow it, I'm having fun anyway. So, so what we did is we wanted to establish everything on the Lord of the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants to bless obedience, friends. God's favor comes and he wants to bless obedience and he blesses obedience so that we can be fruitful. God wants us to be fruitful. On top of that understanding, I also brought in another understanding which has got to do with the, the relationship between the unseen and the seen. How many know that there's a relationship between the unseen and the seen? How many of you actually uh, have seen God walking around yet you love him because God is spirit and he's in the unseen realm? There's a connection between the seen and the unseen, friends. We have to understand that connection and how God begins to operate through that connection. There's something that I spoke about two weeks ago that just relates to how what we do in the natural year affects the unseen realm and that God put that in place. For those that weren't here, I'm just doing it very quickly so I can move on to what I wanna say this morning. But just there's a, there's a reality, if you, if you look at Malachi and uh, um, um, if you kind of always twitch when you hear Malachi or Malachi, um, and you wanna kind of take it out your Bible. God put it in the Bible, friends. He didn't put it in the Bible just for a season, for a little small time so people could read it and go, oh, thank God that doesn't relate to me. <laughs> the reality is, friends, it talks about tithes and offerings. It's a very important book about tithes and offerings because what it says there, friends, is that when they responded in a certain way with their physical finances, the windows of heaven were open. There was a response in heaven from the physicalness of what they were doing here. There's something about the natural that opened up something in the spiritual realm. So you can't get away from that. Now you can go, but Jesus now through the cross. Yes, we can understand, we're gonna take everything through the cross, which I'll walk through now. But as we take everything through the cross, still understand that God put those things in place there because they're principles. And they're not just done away with. It's like people say, no, well, Jesus was speaking also before Pentecost, so before the early church, everything that Jesus said was kind of, he was talking to the people then, but now it's finished now, now we've walked through that. Friends, the Bible, my Bible says to me, Jesus gave us a commission, said go into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching them to observe all that. 
I commanded. I think the red letters in this book are just as important today as they ever were. We need to read the, the red letters and just see what Jesus said. So let's go to what Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 16. Let me just quickly go there. Hopefully I'm going to get to one I want to share. So we just go to Luke chapter 16. We quickly go to, uh, let's go to verse 10. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either will hate the one and love the other, or will be devoted or hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. What's Jesus trying to say here? What he's simply saying is that if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you the true riches? He is tying in here between being faithful in unrighteous mammon or, or money and opening the true riches. And we, every single one of us here are for the true riches. We come to church because we're about the true riches, not about getting money or getting rich. We want his true riches. Every single one of us want his peace, his love, his power, his authority, his goodness. All of that is the true riches of God. There's something about being faithful in the unrighteous mammon that will enable you to be entrusted with the true riches of God. And then he goes on to say this, also very powerful, he says, and if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? The only understanding that the Jewish uh, people had on that uh, particular statement, friends, when they said, if you have not been faithful with what is another's, is the tithe. It's the only thing, friends, when they had money and they received income, friends, the only thing that they understood about being somebody else's was the tithe. So he's saying, if you're not faithful with that which is not your own, how can I give you that which is your own? And when we talk about the tithe, friends, we're talking not about something under the law. We're talking about something that Abraham brought in 430 years before the law. Abraham brought in the tithe, not the law, friends. When Abraham brought in the tithe, friends, he brought it in, friends, and he tithed to Melchizedek. And then in Hebrews chapter seven, it tells me Melchizedek is a type of Jesus Christ. Right in the very beginning, Abraham was tithing to Jesus. And then the Bible says he's the father of our faith. And then it says, the Bible says to imitate his faith. And then in John chapter eight, when Jesus is discussing and chatting to the Pharisees and a group of people and they're beginning to, to try and have dialogue with him and he's telling them, no, this is what you should be doing. They go, no, but we are of our father Abraham. And he said, if you are of your father Abraham, you should do what your father Abraham did. And then you go to uh, Matthew 22, just jump there quickly, Matthew 22. Uh, this is not really what I wanna concentrate on, but let me just hit some of these things just to help us a little bit. I love this. Um, I love this, let's just read from, say, let's just read from, anyway. Um, let's read from verse 15. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. I love this, isn't this a setup? We know that you're true and you teach the way of God truthfully and you do not care about anyone's opinion. For you have not swayed, you're not swayed by appearances. Set me up. You're not swayed by anybody, whatever else thinks. You just, you speak the truth and you always tell the truth. Like you can't get out of this one now, you're gonna have to tell the truth and I'm gonna give you a cracker that you're gonna get nailed on because they're trying to expose him, right? Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. And he said to them, therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled and they left him and went away. <laughs> I love that. But he says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God 
the things that are God. That which belongs to Caesar, render it to Caesar. And that which belongs to God, give it to God. What belongs to God? See, he's talking again about the tithe. It's entrenched in the New Testament, friends. You can't get away from it. You can keep having a look at it. Jesus also is sitting there uh, with the, uh, and you see the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are trying to express how wonderful and how great they are, and they say, we tithe on everything, and we, we tithe even from our herbs, and we, we do all of this. And Jesus said, those things you should have done. He had a great opportunity, friends, to say, listen, don't worry about that. Through the cross, you won't have to do that. It's all garbage. No, he says, don't worry, he's gonna throw all of that out. He said, those things you should have done. What's he talking about? The tithe. You should have done that, but that's just like level one, page one basics. There's more important stuff, like mercy and justice and faithfulness. There's so much more that you wanna advance and go on to, but he didn't, he didn't say, but scrap that. He said, that you should have done. That's my Jesus who's saying that, right? <laughs> just go with me to 3 John 2 just because we can and it's fun. In 3 John chapter two, it says simply this. It says, beloved, I pray that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. There's something about our soul, the unseen realm, friends, about as it prospers in our unseen realm, so friends, it says that our external realm will prosper and our health will prosper. Marble is telling me some beautiful illustration here and a pattern of God. It's telling me that as I use unrighteous mammon wisely before God, as I honor him and I do that, friends, something of the unseen realm is open, friends, where there's a release to me of how I'm doing in the seen realm. And then there's something about the seen realm that's responding to the unseen realm and the unseen realm that's responding to the seen realm. This is a full circle. Wax on, wax off. So what I do with physical, tangible money, friends, has a result in heaven, in the unseen realm. And then as the unseen realm as my soul prospers, as I, what I do, so the, the unseen realm, there's a release of the treasures and the true riches of God. As I as steward, as I'm obedient, as I, as I allow those true riches to marshal, to, to govern, to control, to operate, as my soul prospers, then so does my actual reality, physical uh, realm prosper and, and my health. Full circle. There's something key in here, friends, if we can understand this, and I, I started off because we need to listen to the truth and the word of God, not listen to man's clever ideas or what we think and take what God creates as a value and try and bring our own understanding and our own value into it. If we would just be obedient and honor what he's called us to do, friends, then the blessing of the Lord will make rich and will add no sorrow. And friends, I'm not here to market the blessing of the Lord will make us rich. I'm here to... Get us an understanding of the word of God. And I believe if you honor the word of God and you put it on the right foundation, obedience, friends, God will honor obedience and he'll reward you for obedience and increase will come, friends, and the lavish prosperity of God will come over your life. But it comes for a purpose because I'm submitted to the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say this categorically upfront without a shadow of a doubt, there is no model in the New Testament for anywhere that describes us on a journey, friends, where we gather wealth and we become this huge wealthy, owning a whole bunch of possessions and seven cars. I love that I'm getting onto the seven cars again. There's no model like that in the Bible, friends. Not, not one single model about that, friends. But just like that's a lie, friends, and we get rid of that lie, friends. I'm not getting rid of one lie to pick up another lie and that, that God's into me being... Uh, have poverty and, and being poor. Jesus didn't go to the cross, friends, just to die for our sins and, and, uh, and for our sicknesses. He also died for our scarcity. Friends, he broke the curse of poverty on the cross, friends. Jesus is not about poverty. He's actually about meeting every single one of our needs and having an overflow in abundance. And that's kind of my passion when I'm trying to go to this morning, we're taking me a bit of time. 
The simple concept of seek first the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God, friends? It's unseen. Seek first the kingdom of God and the rest will be added. Something about using your money wisely. There's a reaction in the heavens and there's something about seeking first the kingdom and honoring the true riches of heaven in our hearts and in our lives that releases the other things. Money, whatever. Let me, uh, let me just say this now quickly because it's coming to mind. The children of Israel, which is our typology of the church on their journey. Friends, when they came out of Egypt, the Egyptians just wanted them gone and the Egyptians just lavished them with wealth. How many know that? We know the story. They were given a whole bunch of wealth. And they came out of that and they went into the wilderness, friends. And in their journey and coming out of all of that, guess what they did with their wealth? They made a golden calf. There was a guy, they call him the prodigal son. He took his inheritance and he made a golden calf. You have a choice in life. When God blesses and we releases funds into our lives, it will either shape the course of history or it will shape a golden calf. As you and I grow in wealth and, 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 and finances, friends, we can either build a golden calf, which pulls our attention away, friends, and we know the result of that, or versus allowing it to shape the course of history. But friends, he will bless. This is not a fight for blessing. This is a fight for what you're gonna do with the blessing. Because God's been blessing since the beginning of time, friends. And it's been building so many golden calves, he's so tired. No, he's never tired. Can we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9? Let me just go quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to try and pull this in, maybe it's all we can do for this week. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, let me just read it. Just read from verse uh, 6, I hope. The point is this, this is the point. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Amen. So never ever give under manipulation or control. Never. Whether you're watching a TV show, whether Grant is standing up in front of you, whether anybody in this church is standing up in front of you, never give under compulsion or you feel like you're manipulated or controlled. God is wanting you to have a cheerful heart. God is wanting to give you, for you to give voluntary to give from your heart, settle the match in your heart, have understanding and say, okay, Lord, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And when I get wisdom, then I need to get understanding. And I get understanding and then I've got a cheerful heart because now I know what I'm doing, right? God is able to, to make, listen, listen to this. This is probably my, one of the most powerful and beautiful verses in the whole Bible. And God is able to make all the grace, all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. There's a lot of all in there. That's, the, that's my father. He's an all God. He says this. You can just take this and declare it every single day. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. Now, I'm sure there's sometimes, there's a little season in our lives where all things, all sufficiency, all times. All, 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 all. And if you study that Greek word, it means all. <laughs> As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. 
Isn't that amazing how God ties up generosity with righteousness? Please don't get confused about benevolence and human. Generosity in the Bible has connected to righteousness. It is a fruit and an outworking of righteousness. As you and I walk in the righteousness of God, we are generous. Friends, it's not something you have to try and do. So you can be a very wealthy person some of the most wealthiest people in the world today might give a lot of finances, friends, but that doesn't mean they're generous. See, it's, cra- it's crashing into your head because this is the word of God. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They are very different. I could go further, but I'm, I'm feeling less dangerous. It's gone quiet. Listen to what he says here. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Wow. Again, what's he tying up there? Righteousness and generosity. And he's saying, through your generosity, isn't this beautiful, will produce thanksgiving to God. Do you know that your generosity can unlock and respond in someone else's life a response to God? That's really powerful, that our generosity actually unlocks a response in a person's life. Let me just quickly carry on. Yep. Um, Uh, You'll be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By the approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from you um, of Christ and the generosity of your contributions for them and for all others while they long for you, pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift, which is Jesus Christ. Now let me just, for the sake of time, let me just go back to verse 10. It says here, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of righteousness in your life. Paul is unpacking another illustration here and another understanding which will help us in terms of our method of what we do as the children of God. So for the sake of time, I'm speeding up now quickly and I'm gonna say, right, so we as the people of God God's telling us that we receive income into our lives. And please, we have to go back to the Word of God and you have to go study in the Old Testament to get a real revelation, understanding. Let's not get confused. Let's not eat from this tree of the knowledge of good good and evil and try and be clever with what is income. Because when you get into the Old Testament, when you get into Deuteronomy, you'll find out that investment income is income. So if you've plowed some, some big investment and you're getting any dividends or any interest, it's still income. If you've got a, 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 some kind of asset, friends, where that's increasing in value, uh, that's wonderful. You don't have to tithe on that. The minute you sell that asset and you realize the increase in value, you tithe on it. It's, it's really as simple. We actually... At the end of the day of trying to eat from this tree to find out how we can get away with it instead of actually just simply studying the word and saying, what are you actually saying? And let's just be obedient to it, right? Come on, we can all smile whenever there's nobody gonna whack you around or, or, or challenge you here. We're just trying to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I say this? The reality of the gospel, friends, is that every single part of our life is supposed to display this. We're supposed to live this, friends. That's what it simply is. We're not, we, in fact, this is the only area in the Bible and it comes from Malachi again where God says, test me in this. He says, you know, you don't do test me, I'm God. But I'll tell you what, I'll give you a reality here. You can test me in this. Why, friends? Because it's the only place where it's actually measurable. You see, we like to be Christians and we like to have Christianity. It's all very nice because it's not measurable. 
I love Jesus. Oh, I'm singing there. Oh, you Lord and Savior. And the basket comes around and, oh, yeah, you have 10 bucks. It's not measurable. Nobody can see that. I said, I love you, Jesus. My whole life is yours. But I just throw 10 bucks in. I'm pleased. Anybody who threw 10 bucks in, I'm not I'm using an illustration. Just understand, friends, that the reality is, friends, our lives are actually, in, are, the, God sees everything. You see, the rea- you see, God's only in one realm. See, we tap in from the natural to the supernatural realm. It's just one realm to him. He doesn't have to tap in and go, whoops, I'm gonna have to rely on my, the biggie. He is just naturally God. He speaks and things happen. He doesn't operate in the supernatural. It's natural. He just operates in the realm that he lives in. Right? So now, let me go back to that. I'm working hard. I'm just preaching the gospel, church. If you're uncomfortable, please go and study it and find out. You don't have to believe me. It's all in there. The gospel of Jesus Christ says that we, get, we receive income from all the different sources which we're gonna tithe on. Because the first thing I gotta do, if I, let me use an example, not to offend anybody, let's just say 50,000. If you receive 50,000 rand, friends, 5,000 rand I, really t- I take out immediately and I give to God because it doesn't belong to me and I have no say over it. That's not for me to control and prescribe over that, friends, because it doesn't belong to me. So I receive my 50,000 rand in honor to him and believing that everything that I do, friends, he has given me. There's a simple illustration in the Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 8, 18, which I have yet to find a preacher that will use it in this illustration, but I'm gonna use it this morning. That God gave us the power to get wealth. 99% of preachers will use that to tell you that that's how you get rich. No, God gave me the power to get wealth because guess every single one of you are breathing something right now. It's called oxygen. And it's his. And if you don't believe me, you don't want to, well then stop breathing his oxygen and see how long you will live. The reality is, friends, you are on his planet and breathing his oxygen. And the mere fact that you're breathing his oxygen, he's giving you the power to actually live. And the mere fact that you have health and you have uh, the ability to actually understand and you've got the ability to take in thoughts and the ability to comprehend and the ability to speak English and the ability to communicate with people, friends, is all the power to get wealth. Not to get rich, to get wealth, friends. I have given all the ability to do this. So because I've been given all this ability to do this, he says, listen, I gave you this whole, oh, this whole orchard of trees and they all got fruit and everything. Just don't eat from this tree. It belongs to me. And all he's saying to us is I've given you all of this, given you the power to get wealth. If you go and take, you can take all of this fruit and you go sell it and you can make a whole bunch of money, but don't eat from this tree. It belongs to me. And we eat from that tree. It's that simple, friends. He's just trying to say, am I Lord or not Lord? Are you building on the Lordship of Jesus Christ or are you not? If you're building on the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ, then give him his 10%. It belongs to him, friends. Because if you don't give it to him, friends, the devourer will eat it anyway because it's not yours. And I promise you right now, you can keep your tithe and try and come out in the rest of the month and stuff happens and that stuff and it gets eaten. And it gets eaten because it doesn't belong to you because it's consecrated and set apart for the Lord. And he says where you put it, friends. And guess where you put it? Oh, you put it into this house. You don't get a choice to decide where you put it and whether you believe it or not, friends. Don't be in the house if you don't believe in putting it in this house. That's where it's meant to go. Your tithe goes into this local house, friends. You don't eat at this restaurant and pay the bill at another restaurant. Friends, that's not me speaking, that's the Bible speaking. And if you're uncomfortable, now then go to the Lord and say, scrap this, God. 
Now I'm passionate because like Paul, friends, I'm not after your money, I'm after this church flourishing and being blessed in the kingdom of God and people's needs being met, friends. Aren't you tired, friends, of where the enemy keeps stealing our fruit and stealing what's ours? You might be sitting here, now, but I live in abundance, Grant, then you're probably doing something right. Or you actually have got wealth, friends, but it's coming with a heck of a lot of sorrow. But I have to preach this and have to be strong in a church because we want this church to succeed. I want this church to flourish. I want people's lives to be blessed. And that's how the Bible says we're supposed to do it, friends. So the first thing I do is I receive my 50,000 and 5,000 goes to God and he says where it goes and it goes into the local church. So it goes into the local church and then he leaves me with 90,000 and he says, no, 90,000. He said, that'd be really awesome. That's probably what God does. And he leaves me with 40,000, <laughs> 45,000, thank you, accountants, um, businessmen. So he leaves me with 45,000, which is 90%. And he says, now I'm called you to be a good steward of that. Now I'm a steward of that. I'm not a steward of the 5%, friends. It doesn't belong to me. I've got to give it to him and I don't have a say over that. But I do have a say over 45,000 or 90%. I now have a say. And then Paul says it's split into two realms. One is seed for the sower and one is bread to eat. Of my 90% of my income now, I have got seed and I've got bread. Now I look and I say, Lord, okay, what do I need to do? And the Bible helps me again. And if you read it and you study it, you'll find out that there's two avenues that God loves you to sow into. He loves you to sow into the advancement of the gospel or the poor. Israel established that, friends. They were always giving to the poor and for the advancement of the gospel. So those are two avenues. And guess what? You have the right to choose what you do with that sowing. Woohoo! So you look and you say, what's good, Vince? If there's uh, ministries in this local church ministering to the poor or like Coronation Hospital, go speak to Dale and Ali. It's a great place where we can sow so they can go bless friends or for the advancement of the gospel, Zambia. It's a great place where we can sow because guess what sowing has got to do with? Sowing has got to do with a future harvest. So something of my 90% is seed and something is bread, friends. How many know you don't eat your seed? If you eat your seed, friends, how, if you just, just picture yourself being a farmer. I know no one's a farmer here. Picture yourself as a farmer. If you're not gonna sow anything, friends, don't sit there and watch the ground and hope that a harvest is gonna come up. You don't sit there and eat your seed, friends. You sow it for a future harvest. You're sowing into your future. That's got nothing to do with the tithe. The tithe, friends, belongs to God and he tells you what to do with it and where it should go. Sowing, friends, has got to do with the 90% that I have authority over and he says you can sow where you love, son. Whatever you love, whatever's your passion. If you're passionate about it, you can sow into that. And he gives me a little indicator of where that should be which helps me because I wanna be a cheerful giver and I wanna sow there, I don't wanna be forced into this, that, and the other. You see, that tithe thing is just determining who's Lord. It's just determining that you are actually not owning. You're not an owner. But this year, friends, it gives you the incredible ability now to look and to say, where should I go, friends? How many know that you shouldn't eat your seed? But how many also know that you shouldn't plant your bread? <laughs> Have you ever planted bread? Just, I oh know, yes, Debbie's going, no, I've never planted bread. <laughs> no, never. Well, if you take bread and you plant it, I trust me, you don't get any harvest from it. It just gets soggy and wet with the rain and just disappears, crumbles, and no result. So friends, he does give you bread to eat, bread to enjoy, bread for us to be sustained and blessed. That's for now. That's for sustenance. That's for giving us strength. The sowing, friends, in order for us to reap. It's a simple principle in the word of God. Everything that I receive, friends, must come through this understanding and this way of handling it. The method that I handle it, friends, is given by God himself. And he says, if you will do this, son, 
If you'll do it the way I've called you to do it, friends, then there will come blessing without any sorrow. Now I've jumped all over the place, so I'll just land maybe with this thought. Let me land with this thought. What is very interesting is that when they came out of Egypt, friends, and they went into the wilderness and they had all this inheritance given to them by the Egyptians, they had all this wealth, they messed up and they made a golden calf, which I just love the story of the prodigal son. Because for a lot of the people of God, and the prodigal son has got a lot more to do with uh, the church and his children than it actually has to do with unsaved, but we use it mostly for the unsaved because we're so nervous to use it for the saved. But they mess up, and he, but when he comes back, and he's not even on his right understanding, I shared this a couple of weeks ago, if you, if you read that very carefully, he's not repentant. He's actually just trying to say, listen, even the servants get better food than I am, so he's going back for the food. But the key thing is he's going back. And thank God he did met the father and not the older son, because there are many people that are gonna come back into the life of the church. They're not really repentant, they're coming back for the food. Because out there they lost all their inheritance. Out there they got slapped, silly. And they're coming back now and they're limping and they're kind of not really repentant. I don't really wanna give my life to Jesus again. But, but hey, I think here I got actually felt a lot better. Actually my prayers seemed to be answered and God seemed to do a whole bunch of stuff and he gave me a husband and a wife and a this and a that. But when they, when they come back and he's walking back, God doesn't even wait for them. He runs after them. He grabs hold of them. He puts the ring on the finger, the, the robe and he gives them the fatted calf. Come on, church. That's the lavishness of God in all things, at all times, all sufficiency. That God just blesses them. We don't know the carry on of the story there, but I'll tell you, that guy, that guy was radically wrecked. He was so changed because he freaked him out just how good God was. Forget the older brother who had another journey to walk. But people coming back into the life of the, of the local church, friends, just crying out to God and saying, God, I haven't repented, but I, I'm after you, friends. That's the love and the nature of God that he wants to come after. But it, why did I get onto that? Um, so they, they go out of Egypt. They go into the, into, into the wilderness. They build a, a fatted calf. They waste all their inheritance. And God says, no, okay, we're gonna have to journey a little bit now. Then the wilderness is a journey, friends, the most incredible, most amazing journey that we just pass over. We don't understand that in the wilderness, friends, they owned nothing. But in the wilderness, friends, they had to trust him every single day. Every single day, God said, when you go outside, whatever you'll see, there's manna, you can grab hold of it. And every single day, the children of Israel went out and grabbed the manna and thought, you know what? I'm just gonna take for tomorrow too so I can sleep in. And every single time they woke up the next morning, the worms had eaten what they tried to keep over. And even God was saying, really, guys, come on. I'm giving you all this. I'm saying, trust me, but at the end of the day, you try and take more than I'm giving you, and then it just gets eaten up anyway. And then God says, you know what? But on the last day, you're gonna have to honor me. And because you have to honor me, you're gonna have to collect for two days. And guess what? They collected for two days, and it lasted them for two days, and no worms ate it. Hello, are we understanding the kingdom of God here? So they journey, friends, in the kingdom of God. They're journeying, God is providing food for them. God is providing water out of a rock. God is providing uh, uh, warmth for them at night. God is providing shelter for them during the day. They are walking along 40 years, friends. There's no Northgate Mall. There's no shops, friends. Their clothes are not wearing out. They didn't go to the shop and buy new ones. 40 years. He's taking care of their whole wardrobe. He's taking care of their shoes. Nothing is wearing out. That's the supernatural provision of God. It's awesome. And they're trusting him, they own nothing. But they're learning something. They're learning something very key that in that time, in that journey, friends, they trust him with everything of their lives. And then they come into the promised land. The promised land, friends, is not now a place where it's maintenance. The promised land is now a place where it's increase and advancement. Now when they come into there, friends, there's something that changes. Friends, now they can begin to own. Now they can begin to plow. Now they can begin to plant. And watch God breathe on that. Friends, 
The answer was not the wilderness. The answer is the promised land. The people of God go through difficulties and challenges. God supernaturally provides their needs. And they step out, friends, and they still have a wilderness mindset. Expecting God to just supernaturally just take care of something, just keep above water. No, there's way more to it than that. God wants abundance. He wants to breathe on your labor, on your work. He wants to call your, 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 your labor to be multiplied. There's beautiful illustrations of the Bible, parables. There's a parable of the talents. He gives, the, the guy's gonna go away and he's gonna come back and he gives the guy five talents, two talents, one talent. And the five talents, he multiplies it and he makes 10 and the, the two makes two and the other guy hides it. And then when Jesus comes back, it's the illustration where the master comes back and he says, well done, you did so well, my buddy. The guy with two, you did so well. And the guy that just buried it, he went, and now? He said, no, I knew you to be quite a, harsh taskmaster, whatever, and so I just hit it, and he said, wicked, wicked servant, you should have just put it in the bank, and he's got me interest. What's the point of that story, friends? The story of the miners too, where he gives the 10 servants, and he gives each one a miner, and then when he comes back after a while, and he finds out that the one has made 10, and each one has multiplied, but the one guy made nothing. What's the point of the story? The point of the story is actually the God that we serve, who's king, and whose Lord is very much interested in increase. And just to shatter all our theology, he takes the one away and he gives it to the guy with the most. And they even grumbling then go, hey, he's got the most, he's got the 10, you should give it to this guy. So we think in the church, hold on a minute, let's just go, this guy's working really hard, he's doing the kingdom of God, he's advancing things, are blessing him, whatever, and this guy here is just lazy, he's not doing anything, whatever, but hey, let me me take from here, let me give it to that guy. No, I'm not gonna give it to that guy, I'm gonna give it to that guy. Wrong tree, friends, that's all I'm saying, wrong tree. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil, friends. The understanding in the Bible is God is interested in increase. He wants to breathe over your and our finances. He believes in prosperity, friends. Prosperity of the soul. If your soul prospers, so will you prosper externally and in your health. So there's a breathing here that happens. There's so many scriptures and I'm gonna have to land. See, the one that was punished was the one who did not take risks and increase what he was given. Bible says we go from glory to glory. God is devoted to increase and advancement. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. One day, all that will matter is what you and I have sown into eternity. I'm gonna have to land. But I wanna say this to us as a church. I am fully convinced, fully convinced that God wants to prosper his people and particularly at this time. I'm fully convinced that the damn wall has been broken open and there is a flood of finances that is roaring down the river for the people of God. But I'm also fully convinced, friends, that you cannot be able to carry this income if you have a poverty mindset. And just as bad, you cannot carry that income if you have a possessions-rich build my empire mindset. We have to go back to God and we have to look at the Bible and we have to say, okay, what's the mindset that you require? Have this mindset that's in every single one of us. Do you know what challenged me the other day? What challenged me the other day is that mankind has been so aggressively against slavery. And we know that it's horrid, it's wicked, and it's terrible. Slavery is a total abomination to God and it comes from the pit of hell. But do you know that, before we throw the baby out with the bathwater, do you know that the word slave in relation to the people of God is used not once, not twice, many times? That we are bond slaves, friends. We have committed ourselves. We're his sons and daughters, but I committed myself to be a slave. Do you know what that meant when he wrote that in the Bible? In the times that they were living in? That would have wobbled a whole lot of them. 
But the reality of that our lives are totally committed to him, that we surrender to him, that we do what he's called us to do, friends. And he simply says this, I've given every single one of you a purpose. And prosperity comes for the purpose. Do you know that the Queen of Sheba, 1 Kings 10, when she comes to Solomon, because she says, I've got to come and see she, she, this, all what's happening. She comes and looks and all his wealth and everything is happening. She goes, wow, this is way more than I ever thought. And then she says, God has blessed Solomon because he wanted to bless Israel. There was purpose for the blessing over Solomon. Wow. There's purpose in the blessing, friends. And hopefully I can un, unpack it uh, next week. But uh, Next week, yes. But the reality is, friends, is God wants to bless us and release our finances. If we will follow what His plan and His purposes are, He wants to bless us and fill us our lives with finances. Not so that we can continue to grow and develop, friends, and have all these possessions and have all these bank accounts and all these finances, so that we can fulfill what God has called us to do. And for some, that's in the higher uh, realms, in, the, in, the, in the, the stature of having to live in massive mansions with massive cars and whatever. I'm not knocking that. I'm saying if that's the realm that God's called you to, you're the only one that can reach into that realm and do what God's called you to do and, and be a, 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 an influence in that realm, friends. Or if you're in this realm here, but whatever God's called you to do, He will provide. And not just provide, there will be abundance for you to, for it to flow over and be a blessing to others. So as we follow this, friends, you will see it will attract, it attracts the increase of God. I'm so for God's abundance. I'm so for the prosperity of the people of God. I do believe in these last days that God wants to prosper us like you can't believe. Friends, but we've got to understand that we are rivers. We were never dams. And I'm trusting the Lord because God gave me a promise with this, but I, I know that a million rand is gonna flow through my hands. But I know when God said it to me, he said it will flow through your hands. And I know it's taken me a long time and I've fought a lot of battles, friends, because I know right now, friends, it's not quite gonna flow through. But it needs to, because can you imagine somebody comes and says, here's a million rand and it flows through your hands because God says, thank you very much, I need it to go over here, give it there. And you're like, my house, my car, I could, I could do, no, it'd be, it'd be a huge blessing, I'll just give them 200,000, man. Oof, I'll be so happy. No, who's Lord? See, we become a river, we become just be able to flow the purposes and the plans that God has for us. What are you saying? What are you doing? Just I'm flowing in the things of God. That's prosperity, friends. That's prosperity of heart and prosperity out externally and full of, um, I'm healthy with that. It doesn't come with sorrow, and stress and, amen. Shall we stand? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I know this has been a hard word, so, so please don't knock yourself, and I know I often challenge this church, or I often challenge the church, full stop. I was gonna say I challenge the church, no, I was gonna often challenge the church, often, no, it doesn't. But I think those that have been in this church to know that I, my heart and my passion is for the people of God. My heart and my passion is that we would achieve all that God's got for us, and right now we are fighting for our destiny. We're fighting for our destiny because this size church cannot really carry this size building. We're needing the church to grow. We're needing God to do a miracle. We need to do this thing together. I'm not asking anybody to give more than they, than they can. I'm, I'm, we've taken up the offering. You can all relax. I'm just saying there's a heart shift that needs to happen here. I'm not asking people to love us. I'm asking people to love 24-7 church. I'm asking people to love what God's trying to build and establish here. And then we give our lives to it. Friends, there's far too many people, maybe not so many in the church, but far too many people that are coming to church for what they can get instead of what they can give. What God wants to do through 24-7 church is a community of people that are fully committed. And I promise you what I'm saying here today, friends, is not what, I, is, 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 is what I'm living. It, shouldn't, it should cost us to come to this church. Because what we're trying to build and establish here is the kingdom of God, it's truth. And we are fighting against a flood, Lord, uh, that wants to stop the word of God being preached in all its fullness. 
And so these things have got to be said. They've got to be so we can get free from this entanglement and these snares of mammon. And it's a, it's a spirit. It's not, it's not just physical money. It's, a, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. It's not money. Money is, is not, it's just a, it's a thing. It's the trees. It's funny how it's trees and God said don't eat of that tree anyway. I just want to pray over us, but I want, I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing what Jane's saying as a, as a prophet in the house. Um, either this word resonated with you or didn't resonate with you. Either you're very uncomfortable or you're actually very comfortable. But I do believe we need to honor the word of the Lord. So if this resonates with you, then I'm not even looking around. I'm just, I don't, Jane was saying we should maybe applaud or or give honor to the word, not, not, I'm not, I'm talking about to the word that I, that's been preached, because I do feel that it does need a response, I was just going to pray and say, we need to respond uh, to it in our hearts and our lives and in the days ahead, because God, only God knows, but maybe if that's you and you want to respond to the Lord, and please don't lift your hands if you've, you're not there, because God's not asking you to do you, you are in control. Friends, there's a beautiful story, or not a beautiful story, a terrifying story in the Bible and Acts about Ananias and Sapphira. And the reality of Ananias and Sapphira, it wasn't that they didn't give all, it was that they lied. Peter said to them, while it belonged to you, you had control over it, but you said you gave it all, but you only gave part of it, you lied. So I'm, I don't wanna put anybody in a place today where uh, as you respond to God, don't do it when you're not really there because that's, the, the, Acts tells me that's not good. I want you to only respond if that is you, but I want us to lift our hands to the Lord in this place if that's you and you're responding to the word of the Lord. That doesn't mean you're there and that maybe you don't tire, but you're responding to it and you're saying, God, I, I wanna respond to this word. I'm hearing truth and I wanna respond to it. Then I want us to just lift our hands to him right now. Nobody looking around, please don't look around. You, it don't, doesn't matter if you haven't got your hands up, honestly. I'd rather that. I'd rather people just be real before the Lord right now. Just take a couple of minutes, that's all. A couple of minutes and we've finished. Lord, as we just stand as a congregation before you right now. And Lord, we just, for those that the word of God has really challenged our hearts, we just lift up our hands to you. And we just stand, Lord God, before you and we say, Lord, we wanna honor your word. The fear of the Lord's the beginning of wisdom. We're running towards you, Lord. We're saying, Father, will you make this real to us? Will you, will you bring clarity? Will you bring reality? Will you bring understanding? And you will help us, Lord, to outwork this word in our situation. Right now, Father, if all our expenses are greater even than our income, we don't know how to work it, will you give us wisdom right now? I'm not asking for people to go into debt. I'm not asking for people to get themselves into difficulty. I'm asking them to go before the Lord and make him Lord and say, God, will you give us wisdom? Because God, we're ready, Father, to do whatever you've called us to do. If that means we have to sell a car or sell something, Lord, to make the adjustments in our life, Father, if we've committed to things, Lord God, that are taking our finances away from honoring you, then will you help us and give us wisdom in that, Lord God? But we wanna first and foremost give you your 10%. And then, Father, we wanna be a people that go above and beyond. We wanna be a people that sow because that's into our future. So will you help us, Lord God, in our incomes, Lord, how to look at them and to decide, Father, how we can do this thing, how we can do it well, and how we can honor you and get our lives back into line with you, Father, because you want to give us increase, and you want us to risk. There's also a lie of the enemy that goes around and saying, no, you can't tithe. It's, you, there's, friends, you, you have to risk in God. In order for the guy who had the five talents to make another five talents, he had to risk. It's the guy that hid his one that didn't risk. That's why, friends, in this church, it costs to be in this church because you've got to risk. It's dangerous sitting here and listening to what's being said from the pulpit. It's dangerous, Father, being, uh, uh, guys being challenged to step out and to risk a little bit. But I'm just asking right now, Lord, that clarity and understanding would come upon the people of God. Lord, we just come before you with our hands are lifted up and we repent. 
where we have made the decisions and been in control over our finances and decided where they should go. We do not have a say over where they should, our tithes should go. We ha- our tithes should go into the local storehouse. Not to family members, not to friends, not to this one, not to that one. It is a consecrated, set apart, holy unto the Lord. But in terms of our sowing, Father, I thank you that we have the beautiful gift of deciding where we wanna sow our finances and the other 90% of our income. And I pray that you would bring clarity and clearness to that which you are speaking right now to every single one of us. But I ask right now for all those that have got their hands lifted up and getting tired, but thank you, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to come into line with the model in the Bible. And I thank you as we come into line with that, Lord, I thank you for a, a release of blessing that we cannot contain. I thank you for the people of God beginning to see, Lord, just miraculously beginning to see supernatural things happen in their finances, Lord. Supernatural increase as they give of their tithe, as they sow, Lord. I thank you, Father, for a harvest, a bountiful harvest. What happened to the children in the promised land is that they reaped way beyond. They planted seed enough to get a... 100% 100% return and they got 200 and 300% returns and, they, and they, where they didn't even plant, God began to just give them where, where they hadn't, uh, they reaped in areas where they had never even planted. They began to see supernatural abundance and I just pray supernatural abundance over the people of God this morning. That the, our, our finances begin to supernaturally be breathed on by you, Lord. As we commit to you and align ourselves with your word, as we make you Lord and King, I thank you, Father, that you're beginning to do Uh, Just the the breath of God beginning to breathe over our situations, Lord God. Just contracts just happening, Father. Releasing of things that have been ensnared or been held up by the enemy. I thank you they just get unlocked today in the name of Jesus. Supernatural deposits coming into people's accounts. Supernatural inheritances, Lord God, they didn't even know about, Lord God, just being released into people's lives. But I thank you, Father, that from this moment on it would be a, a, a significant moment in the church's life, Lord God, where the finances of the church would suddenly just begin to rise, Lord, and increase, Lord. I just speak increase over this church and over our lives in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, as we yield, as we surrender to you, as we trust you, Father, as we give you your rightful place, the blessing of the Lord will make rich and it will add no sorrow. And I thank you, Father, for every single person here, the purposes and the plans that you have for their lives, that there'll be enough finances to do that and beyond, Lord. Because it wasn't just about full vats and bonds, it was about overflow. Thank you that you're taking us into that place of overflow, where there's enough to do what we call to do and to overflow into others' lives as well, in Jesus' name. I just speak blessing over the people of God right now, Lord. I thank you, Father, for increase. I thank you, Lord God, as we diligently seek your face and seek first the kingdom of God, the rest will be added in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen. Amen.